0: If they weren't going to announce that, I was. (laughs) Couple things before I have you stand, we read, read our text this morning. One is these prayer cards you have on your desk, on your desk, on your chair, and they are for you to fill out, put in one of the bowls up here, and they'll be being prayed for throughout the year. So anything that's on your mind and heart, you can put one in, you can put two in, as many as you want. We'll be praying over them. Last year we had about 700 that in built through the year, came to about 700. All of them prayed for at least once a month. So that's that blue one. We're gonna have something new this year. This says my prayer 2023, this says his answer 2023. So these will be available to fill out as far as what God's done, because I think we, we miss out on not hearing some of the things how the Lord has answered prayer. Um, also, uh, next week, next Wednesday, uh, actually next Sunday, we to be calling us to a, a week of prayer and fasting leading up to our focused dinner. So just keep that in mind, whether it's a meal or however you want to do that, just to pray for the Lord to take us along in what he, what's on His mind and heart. There's a lot of things that already have come up that I feel like, personally, some things I feel very strongly as kind of a word from the Lord, if you, if you will. I don't often operate like that, but I, I, and I'm going to share it this morning again. I, I believe that what's on the Lord's heart for us is to spend more time with him individually and to hear from him, to know his voice, to grow because it changes everything. I'm going to, I'm going to repeat that when I'm st- in this study. Okay, so the focus dinner is on the 29th. The week before that, just a week of prayer and fasting leading up to our focus dinner. And then uh, I want to just ask um, um, Dale, would you stand a moment? Dale's going to Uganda. I just want you to stand. And, so I, I would like to pray for you. Uh, for this trip. So would you just bow with me as we pray for our brother Dale going to Uganda. How many times is uh, what number trip is this for you? Tenth. Tenth. And he goes over there and does, uh, is able to minister to the Lord the gospel through computers uh, and fixing them and stuff. So Lord, we pray for our brother Dale. Please bless his trip. Keep him safe. Use him more than he's even imagined. Bless, Lord, all the, all the logistical things of getting computers there or whatever it is. We don't know, but Lord, We know that you go before him all the way, bless him, keep him, watch over him, bring him home safely. In Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. So would you stand please and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter twelve? I'm gonna read the same text last year, this last week. How not how to not fall short of the grace of God in chapter twelve. We're gonna be doing verses the second part, but I want to begin in verse fourteen in reading, our, reading the text, and we'll, we'll get into it this morning. So here we are, Hebrews 12:14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow." And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain." Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. So, Lord, again, we're thankful for the word of God. Thankful that you speak to us. You've given to us this living document, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. So search us, I pray, Lord. As we're looking at this whole thing, that, how to not fall short of your grace, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, by your grace, you'd speak to us, give us ears to hear, and bless what i provide, what I prepared here. Break it fresh, feed us, we're hungry. We know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We love your word. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Even as we're looking at this morning, you speaking to your people. So bless this, I ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated. So it says in Hebrews 12:1, which is which that beginning of the chapter is sort of the title of this little series we're doing in January. Therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are those? Those are, the, I believe, Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of faith. and it says there, lay aside every weight. Things can weigh us down. And the sin which so easily besets us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. That's Hebrews right there. Jesus is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So how, and then it says in verse 15, not only looking to Jesus, but looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So, looking unto Jesus, but looking carefully. So, three things from this chapter, how to not fall short of the grace of God. Looking carefully. Secondly, come to Jesus continually. And third, serve God acceptably. We're going to look at these last two this morning. But a follow-up to last week's study, did you make time to be with God this week? I'm going to be asking that regularly. Psalm 27, we looked at this last week. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Erwin Lutzer's book, No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture, writes this, We are in a race with people shouting all kinds of messages to us from the stands. Confusion runs rampant, and usually it's the person who, hap- who happened to have the loudest megaphone who is heard, though they may be shouting the wrong messages. Then a little in, in, in this chapter, listen to a trusted voice. The chance, chances we would be deceived by propaganda— would diminish significantly if we spend as much time reading our Bibles as we do following the news. Scripture is a lens through which we see the world more clearly. Our ultimate authority is not a top cable news network or other major media outlet. We must look first and foremost to the one voice we can trust, Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? God instructs us. He says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Hear him or listen to him. So not only looking at Jesus, but listening to Jesus. He continues, before you turn to your smartphone in the morning, read God's word. Listen to his voice. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times, unquote. There's an old hymn that my mind somehow captured as a youth. It says, speak, Lord, in the stillness while I wait on thee. Hush my heart to listen. How many know it? In expectancy, Really? You don't know this one? Do you want me to sing it or just read it? <laughs> For the words thou speakest, they are life indeed. Living bread from heaven, now my spirit feed. Do I have to keep singing? Speak, thy servant heareth. Be not silent, Lord. Wait my soul upon thee for the quickening word. Fill me with the knowledge of thy glorious will. All thine own good pleasure in thy child fulfill. Amen. Very good. Will you take time to be with God this week? You see, what I'm being reminded of again in my own life, and also as a a principle, a rule, it's true. He will change everything. That one thing will transform everything in your life. I invite all you men to come tomorrow night It's the third Monday of the month as we kick off the king's men. This year we'll be taking these monthly gatherings to encourage each other in spending time with God all year. Learning and knowing the voice of God through the spiritual disciplines given to us in God's word. He lays them out. I would say all ages tomorrow night and the third Monday of the month. Dads, bring your young boys, bring your young men. You old guys, us old guys, just get yourself there, okay? <laughs> but you're going to meet some growing young men who are hungry for God. Our structured time, just so you know what we're doing, our structured time will be one hour. And the, one hour promptly at 6.30 when we're going to be called together by the shofar, the ram's horn. We're going to go to 7.30 and then we're going to have time as long as you're able to hang out. Now, I know young families and young fathers need to get home. I get that. So that's what we're going to do. But also, I want to invite all you women to come every second Monday of the month. First one will be February 12th, because in talking to Sophia, this year, we're going to be doing the same thing, you women. And what I love about that is that we who are married, or you who are engaged, Johnny and Megan, are you listening? (laughs) Or maybe you're dating, What a great thing to nurture in our our conversations around the Word of God, around spending time with God, around the things that He's speaking to us and hearing His voice together. So, shameless plug, I hope you'll come tomorrow. So let's pick up our study now, part two, how to not fall short of the grace of God. In verse 18, he says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to, black, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that, you, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded, and even so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses, Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. This is speaking of God's presence. We sang that song this morning. God's When giving the law through Moses, the people experienced great fear and trembling in the presence of God among them, in their midst. Psalm 68 tells us exactly this. The earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God, Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. So before, just to, before all this that we're going to read about this morning, Moses and the children of Israel were singing their hearts out to the Lord. In Exodus chapter 15, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed. Gloriously, the horse and the ri- its rider is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Who is like You, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like You, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led them forth. The people whom you have redeemed, you have guided them to your strength, have gone your, in your strength, to your holy habitation. They're singing this, the song of Moses. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance is in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. And they're singing out. I say, sing it out. That's before any of this. Moses and the children of Israel are singing their hearts out to God. Before Moses and the children of Israel ever came to Mount Sinai, God rescued them and redeemed them and guided them to his holy habitation background that's what happened you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. that's not what you've come to but let's look at that a moment in the scriptures i want to take the time to read what happened as recorded in exodus and in deuteronomy and there's a lot so i've put some of them up on the screen exodus 19 In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You sang about it. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And so Moses called all the elders together. And he tells them all these things that God has spoken to him. He told them the words of God, and then he went back to God and told them the words of the people. In Exodus 19, it says, The Lord said, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So God said, I'm going to speak, and they're going to hear it. They're going to hear my voice. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. These aren't up on the screen. I put some up. I didn't know what I would be able to get to here. So the Lord said to Moses, Go and you go consecrate the people, because on the third day I'm coming down. And so he did that. He consecrated the people. And we read in Exodus 19, verses 12 and 13, you shall, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed of yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a, not a hand shall touch him, but he shall be surely be stoned or shot through with an arrow. This is from Hebrews now, quoting Hebrews is quoting this, whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain, but not on the mountain. And so there's these boundaries. God set him. Then in verse 16 of chapter 19, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them. So there's this warning that comes from God about putting these boundaries up. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. And we pick it up in Exodus chapter 20. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the light lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear but let not God speak with us lest we die. Fearful thing. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so, for, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And then in Deuteronomy, he's reminding them of this experience in chapter four. For what great, na- this is beautiful. What great nation is there that has God so near it? Now fear and trouble, yeah, God because God is near. As the Lord our God is to us, there is none other. Never happened before in the history of mankind. So what, so what great nation is there that God is so near to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are, as are in all this law which I set before you this day, and that my heart breaks for our nation. It was founded on these very things. Only, and then in Deuteronomy, you get this continuously, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Especially concerning, notice this, especially you teach your kids, your grandkids, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and they may teach their children. Again, he says, Teach your children. He goes on, Then you, then they, then you came near. He's reminding them of what happened in Deuteron- Moses in Deuteronomy. And stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven, with darkness, cloud, and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you. Out of the midst of the fire, you heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice, God speaking. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. He's remind you this is what happened. This is what the Hebrews is referring to. This given to the law through Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Again, take heed to yourselves, verse 23, lest you forget the He's reminding again, take heed to, as he's going through this. See, take heed, take heed to what you've heard. The cup of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. Here it is, verse, quote in Hebrews, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And as you go to chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up on the mountain. And he gives them again, in in Deuteronomy, he talks about the the Ten Commandments are listed. And then he says in chapter 5, verse 23, So it was, when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with men. Notice this, yet he still lives. So God's speaking to them. And they're 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 living to testify of it. It says, No man can see God and live. To be seen would consume, but you heard him. In verse 525 of chapter 5. Now, therefore, why should we die? Thinking at some point this isn't gonna be the same. For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there in all, of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and live? Who, who's, there's, the answer is no one. You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all they have spoken. God's acknowledged what they're saying. They get it. They understand it. Oh, that they had such a heart. In them, they would fear me and always keep my commandments that I might be well with them and with their children forever. God has children on his heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses reminds them of what happened right after he got the Ten Commandments. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant which were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, had made yourself a molded calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you committed, in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke it. It's so, I mean, it overwhelmed Moses. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. I'm telling you, this Moses was an amazing human being. Unlike any, as you read the account of what went on here, as the leader, the one who spoke to God face to face, the friend of God, and yet his heart broke at the sin of the people. And so listen to his intercession. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, all these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot, out, blot me out of your book, which you have written. Wow. Later, Moses Because he failed to represent God before the people. God said, speak to the rock. And Moses, so frustrated with the people. The first time, speak to the rock. The second, first time, strike the rock and water will come out. The second time, Akedesh, speak to the rock. And it's a picture for us in the scriptures of Jesus himself. He must be smitten that living water would flow. So the first time there in the desert, as they're crying out for water, complaining, Moses, God said, strike the rock. He struck the rock, and water came out. The second time, God said, speak to the rock. And Moses, so frustrated, said, you rebels, must I strike? And he struck the rock. And God, in his gracious mercy, the water came out still. But he said, uh, hey, Mo, hey, Mo." <laughs> We gotta have a talk. You misrepresented me. I wasn't mad at them, and I, I wouldn't strike. No, no, that's, you misrepresented me to the people, and therefore, as we'll read, furthermore, the Lord was angry with one with me for your sakes. And swore that I would not cross over the Jordan, that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God has given you as inherited, but I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. I mean, he's living to go into the promised land, but he understands what happened before God. And it's a picture also of us because Moses is the law. The law can never take us into the promised land. Moses, we do know he will get in. On the Mount of Transfiguration, who is there in glory with Jesus? Moses. So he's already in. But God in his incredible sovereign providence, if you will, in directing these things and giving us a communication, speaking to us, Moses, the law, can never take us in. Joshua, Jehovah's salvation, can. And so I attempted to distill these six chapters, of about 190 verses. Here's where, here, let me just share these things, these thoughts with you. Before all this, Moses and the children of Israel were singing their hearts out to God. Before Moses and the children of Israel ever came to Mount Sinai, God rescued them and redeemed them and guided them to his holy habitation. God did not bring them to himself. That's what he said I'm going to bring you to myself. I brought you to myself. God did not bring them to himself to scare them to death. He brought them to himself to spare them from death. Had had God wanted to destroy them, he would have done it. He did not take them, bring them, as he said, I brought you to myself. He did not bring them to himself to scare them to death. Now, I must admit, I grew up with four sisters. I love to scare my sisters. Yeah! From behind the door, near an old place. It was very fun. God's not trying to scare us to death. He's wanting to spare us from death. He brings us to himself to spare us, to understand. That's why he brought us to himself. Not to display his mighty power and light. No, he wants us to come to him as broken sinners. Hear his voice. God did not bring them to himself to be just a common people. But to be to him a special treasure above all people. A redeemed people. Highly loved and valued and costly in redeeming. God did not bring them to himself to be a secular people, but to be a kingdom of priests, a spiritual people, a kingdom-minded people. God did not bring them to himself to be a sinful people, but to be to him a holy nation a holy people, pure. Blessed are they pure in heart, for they shall see God. To be a redeemed, spiritual, and holy people. That's why he brought them to himself. 500 plus years before Moses, God chose a man named Abraham to whom he promised this, I will make you a great nation. This is that great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Note that this great nation, this is that great nation, To him, a special treasure above all people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Why? To dwell among them and to shine through them in order to bless the world around them. How? Through the coming Savior of the world, his Son, Jesus. The promise that began right at the fall was going to happen through Moses' descendant and the nation that would arise from him. Jesus would come. But then, so before all this, Moses and the children of Israel were singing. Before Moses and the children ever get to Mount Sinai, God rescued them, redeemed them, and guided them. But then through Moses, God brought them to himself. This is, is, I, I don't know if this is new or not, but for me, it was a new thought because it's profound in its simplicity. It moves my heart. In all this stuff that's going on, all this fire and shaking and all that, why did God bring them to himself? Simple. He wanted to speak to them. In their sin, all the, he wanted to speak to them. This is the grace of God. God was not condemning them, frustrated with them, or anything like that. In fact, even Moses himself couldn't go into the promised land because he misrepresented God's heart in redeeming them. God's heart in bringing them to himself to make them a special people, a holy nation. God's purposes and plans and desire in his heart was like nothing else or no one else would ever even begin to think about. The Lord spoke to them to teach them his covenant. To teach them his word. Moses was to teach them all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments. What is that? God's truth and God's mercy. God's character and God's commandments. God's ways and God's means. God's promises and God's provision. For what? Their sin and their sanctification and their salvation. He speaks. And if he didn't, we're in big trouble. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past through the prof- to the fathers by the prophets, has these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through him also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. It's a joyful tear. This is what we're talking about. This God who shakes mountains and one day shake the cosmos wanted to speak to them. And so out of that comes the people. They were to take heed to hear, to listen, and to learn. The people were to learn to fear God to trust God, and to obey God. The people were to teach their children and their grandchildren that it may go well with them. I find that just so fascinating and so rich. Take heed, we're to take heed to hear and to listen and to learn. One of the chapters the men will be going through in this time on Monday nights, in a couple weeks out, is learning. I believe a leader is a learner, and a learner is a leader. I believe a reader is a leader, and a reader is a le- and a leader is a reader. Start young; you're going to stay young. Learning, always learning. Not like the women always learning, never able to come to knowledge. But learning of the things of God, learning of these char- the character of God, the commandments of God, the ways of God, the means of God, the salvation of God. There's a depth. So deep we can never plummet, 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 as to God's riches and glory and His grace toward us. I'm getting excited. Through Moses, God brought them to Himself to speak to them. They gave him the law, which included the sacrificial and priestly orders, not the old te- the old covenant. It included God's means of of forgiving and covering sin included that. The law makes it very clear we need that. God provided it through the sacrificial and priestly system. The old covenant. So this old covenant was necessary for their learning. But notice, note, as it is necessary for ours as well. It gives us the cl- clear understanding of what sin is and what sin has done The law. The understanding of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. The understanding of the need for a mediator between God and man. The understanding of the need for blood sacrifice, death, in order to atone for sin. The understanding of the provision for God to be believed and applied by faith. Old covenant. The understanding of the promises of God to be believed and received by faith. A lot to learn there, is there not? Basically, it's the understanding of the need of a Savior. That Jesus is the perfect and complete fulfillment of the law. That Jesus is the Son of God, Creator, Redeemer, Mediator, and Promised Savior. That Jesus is our great and forever high priest. That Jesus is our good, great, and chief shepherd. That Jesus is the promised and coming King of kings and Lord of lords. And we've invested the last eight months of Sundays in studying Hebrews to consider these very things. Consider Him, Jesus. Looking to Him, Jesus. They, They distilled down to the title of this whole book, we gave it a theme Jesus is better. Jesus is real. We're not making this thing up. Jesus is everything. He's everything. And that's why we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised his shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is none other to exalt, praise, and worship than he who sits on the throne. And to think that all my life he has been faithful. All my life he's been so, so good. All my life his goodness is running after me. That's been on my number, that's been number one on my song list for a long time. They usually don't last this long. Every time I sing it my life you have been faithful me undeserving it's like the little boy runs around again in the freedom of my heavenly father so we must take heed to hear to listen and to learn how looking unto Jesus we must learn to fear God to trust God and to obey God. How? Looking unto Jesus. We must teach our children, please, and our grandchildren, please, help me, Lord, that it may go well for them. I'm going to be 70 this year. I'm way past halfway. But I'll tell you, my little ones, three of them, three of them right around the corner, I look at those little lives I say, Lord, may it go well with them. How? Looking to Jesus. Teaching them to look to Jesus. He's everything. He's real. He's better. And so this third warning is a contrast of eternal proportion. You have not come to the mountain that may be be touched and that burned. You haven't come to this physical mountain that shook. The law speaks of death and separation, distance and fear. That's not where you're coming to. The law does not invite intimacy, but rather demands distance and boundaries and fear. I like this little poem. Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word God's grace does bring. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Do not fall short of the grace of God. Everything has changed with this new covenant. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. It speaks of God's presence in giving grace in Jesus' son. It speaks of the great faithfulness of God by his grace to each and every one of his children. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Speaks of the incarnation. That God in his faithfulness fulfilled his promises and came in human flesh as we just celebrated Christmas with the goal to die on a cross. Yes, but much more. Because God in his last days is speaking to us through his son. Yes, he went to the cross and rose again the third day. But it speaks of the assurance of God's presence both now and forever, living in the presence of God. It speaks of the assurance of God's promises to me and you, both now and forever, because of Jesus. It speaks of the assurance, I love this, the assurance of the glory of God's kingdom, both now and forever, amen. The gospel, the grace of God, speaks of life, the good news of forgiveness, righteousness, assurance, and peace. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, innumerable company. We have come to be in the presence of God both now and forever, all and only because of Jesus. An innumerable company of angels. I think it was three games ago, somebody gave us tickets to go watch the Seahawks play the 49ers. And, you know, before the game, all the flares come up, you know, and they start running out of the tunnel and high-fiving each other. Hey, let me tell you something. That's nothing. We're going to be high-fiving the angels. Innumerable company. Van. Yeah, And we win. Even the Seahawks can't. <laughs> <laughs> to the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn, who are registered in heaven. We have come to be a member of God's family both now and forever, only and all because of Jesus. This assembly, this general assembly, have you been registered? Have you made your reservations in heaven? Is your name written in the book of life? There's an interesting little fact here. After Moses had received the law, he came down from the mountain to see the people worshiping the golden calf, and 3,000 died. When the Holy Spirit came down from heaven in Acts, 3,000 people were saved. That's the contrast. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect grace. We have come to be pardoned and perfected both now and forever, all and only because of Jesus. To the to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling brings better things than that of Abel. We have come to Jesus, the Messiah, to the new covenant, signed and secured both now and forever, because and only Jesus. Abel's blood speaks of death and vengeance and judgment. Christ's blood speaks of forgiveness, mercy, and pardon. So that you do not see them, that you do not refuse them, who speaks from heaven. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke from, uh, speaks for, for, for on earth, much more shall we not escape if we, need, if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. As it was then, so it is now. God speaks from heaven. Are we listening? Are we tuning in? Are we learning? Taking heed to hear and to listen and to learn by looking to Jesus? listening to Jesus? Are we learning to fear God and trust God and obey God? Are we listening to Jesus? Are we teaching our children, our grandchildren, that they might also know how to listen to Jesus? Our obedience is not from fear of what God might do to us, but by grace because of what God has already done for us in Christ. And what has God done for us? read his love letter, he'll tell you as much often as you read it. The Bible. Mrs. Jones relaxed reading her Bible each day. After observing this happen for quite a while, her four-year-old daughter asked, aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? (laughs) What has God done for us? I'm closing. Ephesians is our next book on Wednesday night filled with these truths that should blow our minds every time we read them. Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, where? In Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Before He called us to himself to be holy people, pure people, Ephesians 1.5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he has made it accepted in the beloved. Accepted. And him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches, here it is, of his grace. In him you also trust after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the inheritance, the guarantee of the inheritance until the redemption, the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I mean, what has God done for us? Oh, oh man, let me tell you. Chapter two, and you, you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience and were by nature children of wrath just as everyone else. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and trapped, made us alive together. By grace you have been saved. Do not fall short of the grace of God. And raise us up and made us sit together in a heavenly place Then the ages to come and show show the exceeding riches of his grace. There it is again in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So I've shared this before, but I think it's such a wonderful picture. It's as though this short life, this vapor, is the title page of the glories of God. And we, saw, we see through glass dimly, the title page. But then, let's say a thousand years go by, and then he flips the page and says, I got more to show you. I got a lot more to show you. And he exceed, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. By grace you have been saved through faith, and not of not yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so you for we are his workmanship. God's at work. And so whose voice then shook the earth? God is going to shake that which cannot be shaken, a cosmic shaking. He's going to intervene. Haggai 2.6 6 says, Thus says the Lord once more, it's a little while, I will shake heaven and earth the sea." That's where he's quoting from in Hebrews. And what will remain when he's done shaking? his kingdom that's what we remain it's his kingdom what will matter did i live my life in serving god as faithfully as i possibly can has that been my goal my motivation you see it really is not a matter of what my responsibilities stewardships talents and treasures are what matters is that I'm learning how to make these a sacred thing to God for his purposes. So I'm listening and learning. It doesn't matter who anyone else is. It doesn't matter what anyone else has. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. What matters is that I am seeking to serve God reverently with godly fear, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. My rewards in His kingdom, your rewards in His kingdom, will be according to the faithfulness in stewarding what He has given to you in this life. It's profound, profound. Well done, good and faithful. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Amen. Let us have grace that we may serve God acceptably. His grace is the fire that, you see, it's the same God who gave the law, consuming fire, as it is that gave grace, consuming fire. And his grace is that fire that burns in our hearts by which we may serve him acceptably. That's why he says, do not fall from the grace of God. The grace of God is our fire. So look carefully. Come to Jesus continually and serve God acceptably. Amen. Can I have the worship team come out? I asked Sophia to sing that song that we sang, and I think she's going to do it again. Now, you might know it as a different tune, which I do, but the words are the same, <laughs> and they are this. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary, known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. As we worship, would you allow the Holy Spirit just to pour into you again of his grace? Let's stand together as we worship, and I'll close us in prayer.